are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. The Sapphire Planet. Most birds can fly, which distinguishes them from almost all other vertebrate classes. Flight is the primary means of locomotion for most bird species and is used for breeding, feeding, and predator avoidance and escape. Birds have various adaptations for flight, including a lightweight skeleton, two large flight muscles, the pectoralis, which accounts for 15% of the total mass of the bird, and the supracrocoideus, as well as a modified forelimb wing that serves as an aerofoil. Wing shape and size generally determine a bird species type of flight. Many birds combine powered flapping flight with less energy intensive soaring flight. About 60 extant birds species are flightless as were many extinct birds. Flightlessness often arises in birds on isolated islands, probably due to limited resources and the absence of land predators. Though flightless, penguins use similar musculature and movements to fly through the water, as do ox, shearwaters, and dippers. 
Most birds are dineural, but some birds, such as many species of owls and night jars, are nocturnal or precuspular, which means active during twilight hours. And many coastal waders feed when the tides are appropriate, by day or by night. Birds' diets are varied and often include nectar, fruit, plants, seeds, carrion, and various small animals, including other birds. Because birds have no teeth, their digestive system is adapted to process unmasticated food items that are swallowed whole. Birds that employ many strategies to obtain food or feed on a variety of food items are called generalists, while others that concentrate time and effort on specific food items or have a single strategy to obtain food are considered specialists. Birds' feeding strategies vary by species. Many birds glean for insects, invertebrates, fruit, or seeds. Some hunt insects by suddenly attacking from a branch. Those species that seek pests, insects, are considered beneficial biological control agents and their presence encouraged in biological pest control programs. Nectar feeders such as hummingbirds, sunbirds, lorries, and lorikeets amongst others have specially adapted brushy tongues and in many cases bills designed to fit co-adaptive flowers. Kiwis and shorebirds with long bill probes for invertebrates. Shorebirds' varied bill lengths and feeding methods result in the separation of ecological niches. loons, diving ducks, penguins, and auks pursue their prey underwater, using their wings or feet for propulsion, while aerial predators such as sulids, kingfishers, and terns plunge dive after their prey. flamingos, three species of prion, and some ducks are filter feeders. Geese and dabbling ducks are primarily grazers. Some species, including 
frigate birds, gulls, and skuas engage in kleptoparatism, stealing food items from other birds. Kleptoparatism is thought to be a supplement to food obtained by hunting rather than a significant part of any species diet. A study of great frigate birds stealing from masked boobies estimated that the frigate birds stole at most 40% of their food and on an average stole only 5%. Other birds are scavengers. Some of these, like vultures, are specialized carry-on eaters, while others, like gulls, corvids, or other birds of prey, are opportunists. Water is needed by many birds, although their mode of excretion and lack of sweat glands reduces the physiological demands. Some desert birds can obtain their water needs entirely from moisture in their food. They may also have other adaptations such as allowing their body temperature to rise, saving on moisture loss from evaporative cooling or panting. Seabirds can drink seawater and have salt glands inside the head that eliminate excess salt out of their nostrils. Most birds scoop water in their beaks and raise their heads to let the water run down their throat. Some species, especially of arid zones, belonging to the pigeon, finch, mouse bird, button quail, and bustard families, are capable of sucking up water without the need to tilt back their heads. Some desert birds depend on water sources and sand grouse are particularly well known for their daily congregation at water holes. Nesting sand grouse and many plovers carry water to their young by wetting their belly button feathers. Some birds carry water for chicks at the nest in their crop or recurgitate it along with food. The pigeon family, flamingos, and penguins have adapted to produce a nutritive 
fluid called crop milk that they provide to their chicks. Many bird species migrate to take advantage of global differences of seasonal temperatures. Therefore, optimizing availability of food sources and breeding habitat. These migrations vary among the different groups. Many land birds, shorebirds, and water birds undertake annual long-distance migrations, usually triggered by the length of daylight as well as weather conditions. These birds are characterized by a breeding season spent in temperate or Arctic Antarctic regions and a non-breeding season in the tropical region or opposite hemisphere. Before migration, birds substantially increase body fats and reserves and reduce the size of some of their organs. Migration is highly demanding energetically, particularly as birds need to cross deserts and oceans without refueling. Land birds have a flight range of about 2,500 kilometers or 16,000 miles, and shorebirds can fly up to 4,000 kilometers or 2,500 miles. Although the bar-tailed godwit is capable of non-stop flights of up to an amazing 10,200 kilometers or 6,300 miles non-stop. Seabirds also undertake long migrations, the longest annual migration being those of sooty shearwaters, which nest in New Zealand and Chile and spend the northern summer feeding in the North Pacific of Japan, Alaska, and California. An annual round trip of 64,000 kilometers or 39,800 miles round trip. Other seabirds disperse after breeding, traveling wildly but having no set migration. Albatrosses nesting in the southern ocean often undertake circumpolar trips between breeding seasons. 
some bird species undertake shorter migrations, traveling only as far as required to avoid bad weather or obtain food. Interruptive species, such as the boreal finches, are one such group and can be commonly found at a location in one year and absent the next. This type of migration is normally associated with food availability. Species may also travel shorter distances over part of their range with individuals from higher latitudes traveling into the existing range of co-species. Others undertake partial migrations where only a fraction of the population usually females and subdominant males migrate. Particular migrations and partial migrations can form a large percentage of the migration behavior of birds in some regions. In Australia, surveys found that 44% of non-passerine birds and 32% of passerines were partially migratory. Altitudinal migration is a form of short distance migration in which birds spend the breeding season at higher altitude elevations and move to lower ones during suboptimal conditions. It is most often triggered by temperature changes and usually occurs when the normal territories also become inhospitable due to lack of food. Some species may also be nomadic holding no fixed territories and moving according to weather and food availability. Parrots, as a family, are overwhelmingly neither migratory nor sedentary, but considered to either be dispersive, eruptive, nomadic, or undertake small and irregular migrations. The ability of birds to return to precise locations across vast distances has been known for some time. In an experiment conducted in the 1950s, a Mannix shearwater released in Boston, returned to its colony 
in Scomer, Wales, within 13 days. That was a distance of 5,150 kilometers, or 3,200 miles. Bird navigation during migration uses a variety of methods. For dineural migrants, the sun is used to migrate by day, and a stellar compass is used at night. Birds that use the sun compensate for the changing position of the sun during the day by the use of an internal clock. Orientation with the stellar compass depends on the position of the constellation surrounding Polaris, the North Star. These are backed up in some species by their ability to sense the Earth's geomagnetism through specialized photoreproceptors. Birds communicate using primarily visual and auditory signals. Signals can be interspecific, which means between species, and intraspecific, within their own species. Birds sometimes use plumage to assess and assert social dominance. To display breeding conditions in sexually selected species, or to make threatening displays, as in the sun bittern's mimicry of a large predator to ward off hawks and protect young chicks. Variation in plumage also allows for identification of birds, particularly between species. Visual communication among birds may also involve ritualized displays, which have developed from non-signaling actions such as preening, the adjustment of feathers positions, pecking, or other behavior. These displays may signal aggression or submission or may contribute to the formation of pair bonds. The most elaborate displays occur during courtship, where dancers are often formed from complex combinations of many possible component movements. Males breeding, success may depend on the quality of their display. Bird calls and songs, which are produ produced in the syrinx are the major means by which birds communicate with sound. This communication can be very complex. Some species can operate 
the two sides of the solder necks independently, allowing the simultaneous production of two different songs. Calls are used for a variety of purposes, including mate attraction, evaluation of potential mates, bond formation, the claiming and maintenance of territories, the identification of other individuals, such as when parents look for their chicks in colonies, or when mates reunite at the start of breeding season, and the warning of other birds of potential predators. Sometimes with specific information about the nature of the threat. Some birds also use mechanical sounds for auditory communication. The Corncorphia snipes of New Zealand drive air through their feathers Woodpeckers, on the other hand, drum territorially with their beaks. And palm cockatoos use tools to drum. While some birds are essentially territorial or live in a small family groups, other birds may form large flocks. The principal benefits of flocking are safety in numbers and increased foraging efficiency. Defense against predators is particularly important in closed habitats like forests where ambush predation is common and multiple eyes can provide a valuable early warning system. This has led to the development of many mixed species feeding flocks, which are usually composed of small numbers of many species. These flocks provide safety in numbers but reduce potential competition for resources. Costs of flocking include bullying of socially subordinate birds by more dominant birds and the reduction of feeding efficiency in certain cases. Birds sometimes also form associations with non-avian species. Plunge diving seabirds associate with dolphins and tuna, which push shoaling fish toward the surface. Hornbills have a mutualistic relationship with dwarf mongoose, in which they forage together and warn each other of nearby birds of prey and other predators. The high metabolic rates of birds 
during the active part of the day is supplemented by rest at other times. Sleeping birds often use a type of sleep known as vigilant sleep, where periods of rests are interspersed with quick eye-opening peaks, allowing them to be sensitive to disturbances and enable rapid escape from threats. Swifts are, be able, are believed to be able to sleep in flight and radar observations suggest they orient themselves to face the wind in their roosting flight. It has been suggested that there may be certain kinds of sleep which are possible even when in flight. Some birds have even demonstrated the capacity to fall into slow wave sleep one hemisphere of the brain at a time. The birds tend to exercise this ability depending on its position relative to the outside of the flock. This may allow the eye opposite the sleeping hemisphere to remain vigilant and awake for predators by viewing the outer margins of the flock. This adaptation is also known for marine mammals. Communal roosting is common because it lowers the loss of body heat and decreases the risk associated with predators. Roosting sites are often chosen with regard to thermoregulation and safety. Many sleeping birds bend their heads over their backs and tuck their bills in their back feathers, although others place their beaks among their breast feathers. Many birds rest on one leg, while some may pull up their legs into their feathers, especially in cold weather. Perching birds have a tendon locking mechanism that helps them hold on to the perch when they are asleep. Many ground birds, such as quails and pheasants, roost in trees. A few parrots of the genus Loricalis roost hanging upside down. Some hummingbirds go into a nightly state of torpor, accompanied with a reduction of their metabolic rates. This physiological adaptation shows in nearly a hundred other species, including owlet nightjars, nightjars, and wood swallows. 
one species, the common poor will, even enters a state of hibernation. Birds do not have sweat glands, but they may cool themselves by moving to shade, standing in water, panting, increasing their surface area, fluttering their throat, or by using special behaviors like urohydrosis to cool themselves. Ninety-five percent of bird species are socially monogamous. These species pair for at least the length of the breeding season, or in some cases, for several years, or until a de the death of one mate. Monogamy allows for biparental care which is especially important for species in which females require males' assistance for successful brood rearing. Among many social, socially monogamous species, extra pair copulation, otherwise known as infidelity, is common. Such behavior typically occurs between dominant males and females paired with subordinate males but may also be the result of forced copulation in ducks and other anatids. For females, possible benefits of extra pair copulation include getting better genes for her offspring and ensuring against the possibility of infertility in her mate. Males of species that engage in extra pair copulation will closely guard their mates to ensure the parentage of the offspring that they rise. Other mating systems, including polygamy, polyandry, polygamy, polygyandry, and promiscuity, also occur. Polygamous breeding systems arise when the females are able to raise broods without the help of males. Some species may use more than one system depending on their circumstances. Breeding usually involves some form of courtship display, typically performed by the male. Most displays are rather simple and involves some type of song. Some displays, however, are quite elaborate. Depending on the species, these may include wing 
or tail drumming, dancing, aerial flights, or communal, communal lecking. Females are generally the ones that drive the partner selections, although in the polyandrous feralopes, this is reversed. Plainer males choose brightly colored females. Courtship feeding, billing and allopreening are commonly performed between partners, generally after the birds have paired and mated. defend a territory from others of the same species during the breeding season. Maintenance of territories protect the food source for their chicks. Species that are unable to defend feeding territories, such as seabirds and swifts, often breed in colonies instead. This is thought to offer protection from predators. Colonial breeders defend small nesting sites and competition between and within species for nesting sites can be intense. All birds lay amniotic eggs with hard shells made mostly of calcium carbonate. Hole and burrow nesting species tend to lay white or pale eggs, while open nesters lay camouflaged eggs. There are many exceptions to this pattern. However, the ground nesting nightjars have pale eggs, and camouflage is instead provided by their plumage. Species that are victims of brood parasites have varying egg colors to improve the chances of spotting a parasite's eggs, which forces female parasites to match their eggs to those of their hosts. Bird eggs are usually laid in a nest. Most species create somewhat elaborate nests, which can be cups, domes, plates, bed scraps, mounds, or burrows. Some birds' nests, however, are extremely primitive. Albatross nests are no more than a scrape on the ground. Most birds build nests in sheltered, hidden areas to avoid predation. 
but large or colonial birds, which are more capable of defense, may build more open nests. During nest construction, some species seek out plant matter from plants with parasite-reducing toxins to improve chick survival, and feathers are often used for insulation. Some bird species have no nests. The cliff-nesting common guillemot lays its eggs on bare rock, and male emperor penguins keep eggs between their body and their feet. The absence of nests is especially prevalent in ground nesting species where the newly hatched young are precocial. Incubation, which optimizes temperature for chick development, usually begins after the last egg has been laid. In monogamous species, incubation duties are often shared. Whereas in polygamous species, one parent is wholly responsible for incubation. Warmth from parents passes to the eggs through brood patches, areas of bare skin on the abdomen or breast of the incubating birds. Incubation can be energetically demanding process. Adult albatrosses, for instance, lose as much as 83 grams or 2.9 ounces of body weight per day of incubation. The warmth from the incubation of eggs of megapodes comes from the sun, decaying vegetation, or volcanic sources. Incubation periods range from 10 days in woodpeckers, cuckoos, and passerine birds to over 80 days in albatrosses and kiwis. At their time of hatching, chicks range in development from helpless to independent, depending on their species. Helpless trick chicks are termed altricial and tend to be born small, blind, immobile, and naked. Chicks that are mobile and feathered upon hatching are termed precocial. Altricial chicks need help thermoregulating and must be brooded for longer than precocial chicks. 
chicks at neither of these extremes can be semi-precocial or semi-altricial. The length and nature of parental care varies widely amongst different orders and species. At one extreme, parental care in megapodes ends at hatching. The newly hatched chick digs itself out of the nest mound without parental assistance and can fend for itself immediately. At the other extreme, many seabirds have extended periods of parental care, the longest being that of the great frigate bird, whose chicks take up to six months to fledge and are fed by their parents for an up to an additional 14 months. In some species, both parents care for the nestlings and fledglings. In others, such care is the responsibility of only one sex. In some species, other members of that same species, usually close relatives of the breeding pair, such as offspring from the previous broods, will help with the raising of the young. Such alloparenting is particularly common among the Cordiva, which includes such birds as true crows, Australian magpies, and fairy wrens, but has not been observed in species as different as the rifleman and red kite. Among most groups of animals, male parental care is rare. In birds, however, it is quite common more so than in any other vertebrate class. Though territory and nest sites defense, incubation and chick feeding are often shared tasks, there is sometimes a division of labor in which one mate undertakes all or most of a particular duty. The point at which chicks fledge varies dramatically. The chicks of merlets, like the ancient merlet, leave the nests the night after they hatch, following their parents out to sea, where they are raised away from terrestrial predators. Some other species, such as ducks, move their chicks away from the nests at an early age. In most species, chicks leave the nests just before or soon after they are able to fly. The amount of parental care after fledglings varies Albatross chicks 
leave the nest on their own and receive no further help, while other species continue subsupplementary feeding after fledging. Chicks may also follow their parents during their first migration. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. On a piece of the planet, now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.